This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouths of the South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer in our respective homes. Josh Bagrianski, Eric Quintana, Sam Franco in well, in the screens, in our screens, not in your screens. Hopefully in your phones. Hopefully you're plugged up with the Bluetooth. Gentlemen, how are you going? Can we start over? No, we're not starting over. <laughs> Gentlemen, how's it going? I'm going, Gentlemen, I'm going, how's going it going? very well. I'm going very well. Again, it appears <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad hair day for all of the three of us, but I think that's just a trend. When we do the AM pod, Sam, you're not, I think Eric and I are struggling the most. Uh, well, you know what? I, we can lay it at the feet at the fact that, uh, you know, we're, it's 1030 in the morning. We've never podcast podcasted this early. That's and, true. Uh, I'm not running on the most amount of sleep I've ever gotten. I don't know about you guys, but Josh forgot we were even doing this 10 seconds ago. That's true. I did forget, but, <laughs> but I did lots of preparation and then forgot after that. Amazing. Well, so guys, we're, we're all here and we're all here after an Atlanta United win. Yeah. Wow. That's the most important part. That's why something positive to talk about a one, nothing win from Atlanta United or FC Dallas, a goal from Jeff Lorenowitz from the PK spot. Uh, and look, I, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but my first impressions was, were, were one that it was attacking second, that it was fun. Um, there were, a lot of positives. I, I, I really am, am becoming more and more of a fan of Gallagher. Um, potentially a, another big drafty that, that Atlanta United picks up um, that they eventually turn into something along the lines of Gressel, Miles Robinson. Um, way too early to make that like an official stamp on him, but I think that uh, you're seeing kind of the early signs of him being a, a potential powerhouse, a potential guy that Atlanta United can then sell on for, for, for some money. Again, that's way too early to, to, to make that, that, that bold claim. But again, you're starting to see those signs. Um, Jake Mulraney, I think I, I, I just, I just, if I could ask Steven Glass to do anything, it's just, to, just to carry this, this starting 11 over uh, to the next match and hope that the, the consistency kind of builds chemistry and, and, and you're looking at similar, maybe not the results, but similar, uh, outputs in terms of performance, in terms of effort, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the mental makeup of this team. And, and, and I, I just felt like it was, it was the first time we saw anything close to what 2017, 2018 LA United was um, in the last year and a half, two years or whatever. I don't think I'm going to be that positive. I definitely think it was better. <laughs> I'll say that like the first half, you know, they were getting forward. They were actually, you know, attempting to play an attacking style, a more attractive style of soccer. I still don't think they carved out enough, like, good opportunities. I still think that's something that has to come uh, because, look, the only goal they got was a Jeff Lorenowitz PK, and I do want to give Jeff Lorenowitz a ton of credit as the team's captain stepping up, no nonsense. You knew that was going in just by the way he stepped up, the confidence he exuded. And it was, uh, I think, on the on the postgame, uh, Kevin Egan was like, I like that a lot better than you have Barco stepping up and then people arguing like with him over who's going to take it. Yeah. Jeff Lorenowitz knew in this instance, he's the captain. This team is struggling. He's going to lead by example. Step up, buried the penalty. That's about as confident of a penalty as I've seen taken in a while. I mean, just the way that he stepped up and did that. So that was great. But yeah. – Ahead, I still think I still think this team needs to do a lot better job in the in the chance creation department. I was surprised that they were able to 
um, play as well defensively as they did against Dallas just because this is a team that's been pretty good. They've won a lot of games in a row. They've played really well. And Atlanta United sort of just uh, shut them down from, a, from an offensive standpoint on their side. So I thought they did well. But overall, I think Atlanta United, good performance. They got the win still need to be better in a few key departments. I, I think that maybe I – it could very well be that I'm so – it was such a aesthetically pleasing match attacking-wise. Um, well, I'll say c- compared to their last efforts, if That's you will. Totally compared to the last results or last matches for Atlanta United that they, where they just look anemic or they don't know what's going on, where they don't create anything going forward for the most part. Um now you have something against FC Dallas where you're like, oh my gosh, this is something we can build off of. This is like legit, at least in my opinion, legit. You know, you've shown that, okay, well, you can put, you can put it together if you've got the right pieces in the right places. Um, and that's what I saw last night. I mean, there were positives. The positives, I think, are that you have a clear blueprint going forward um, to be as successful as you can this season. The negative is, I think, as you saw you can only be so successful with the personnel that you have. Cause as Sam said, even though you played the way you wanted to, you pressed, I mean, that Dallas have to be furious with their performance, with the way that yep. they were playing. And yet you didn't create very many chances at all. You went on a, on a, on a rather fortunate pen, although it was a handball, but you're fortunate that, uh, and I can't remember who the defender was now, but uh, you're fortunate that, that you win that penalty in that, that situation there. It's, you know, for the domination or quote-unquote domination, we want to call it, you weren't creating a lot on the other side. But I think what we see is for 2020, the MO for Atlanta United is, to, is about work rate, press, and just manufacturing chances by turning the opponent over and, 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 uh, and, and forcing them into mistakes. Because this is a game where Atlanta United won possession, not from recycling the ball around the back and trying to build out of the back. It was more so we're on you, we're going to win the ball back, and that's how we're going to keep the ball. And that's a lot more similar to what we saw to Tata Martino. That being said, you look at it and then you, and you go, okay, other than the penalty, you had like 0.7 expected goals. Uh, so in that sense, it was more of the same. So I think you see the blueprint for the season. It has to be a work rate, uh, manufacture chances type deal. And certainly, interestingly, Sam brings up like the fight over the penalty kick uh, with Barco and Kubo and Dom. None of those guys in the lineup, and you have just a bunch of kind of like hardworking role player types who all play their <laughs> role. And all of a sudden, your press looks you, – you can't create chances because you lack that creativity, that kind of star power. But your press and your cohesion and your shape looks a lot better. So it's interesting to me how when, when you, you were lacking creative players, your system looked a little bit better, but you weren't really able to create opportunities. So you, you, Stephen Glass is going to have to find a balance between that going forward. But I think quite clearly this game shows us that you're not going to play – attacking attractive football maybe the way that you wanted to but the way for you to control games is this way by just working hard winning the ball back and just trying to craft those chances however you like and then as we saw again last night you have a good enough back four to kind of handle with high high press in front of them really quickly on the penalty did Atlanta United get pretty lucky there I mean I'm watching the replay a few times I mean it seemed like the defender's hand was out and in the box, you can't do that. But it was also almost a case of, like, ball-hitting hand. It, was, it seemed to me, like, like Josh kind of alluded to, fortunate to get that penalty. Yeah, I actually kind of thought that, too. But I didn't see a lot of commotion on Twitter about it. or right. uh, Obviously, not from our fan base, but, but, but just looking, looking, looking uh, around. So, at, at the least, it was fortunate because, as you said, Sam, the, 
the arm shouldn't have been out, but it really didn't have a ton of impact on the play. So uh, um, while I think the correct call was made, certainly the fact there was a handball in the first place was a bit lucky for Atlanta United. I'd also like to point out that Josh talking about the team being like super hardworking and determined and Alpharetta dad is loving the performance. Yeah, I totally, <laughs> I, I, I totally dropped the, uh, yeah, yeah, the high IQ smart player uh, in the lineup, <laughs> the old coded language there. And uh, of course, uh, uh, feel free to, to shit on me for that because I feel terrible even offering <laughs> that take. But it is interesting. It, I do think it is interesting. And, but also, as I said, you know, you need those creative guys uh, because as we saw, even with everybody doing their job you didn't have the creativity to carve out chances so you've got to find a way to, to kind of find the happy medium between those two things going forward but more than anything I think you see success is going to be based on that type of performance where it's going to have to be quote-unquote workmanlike you know and uh, you, you're just going to have to hope you create enough and then get ready for 2021. Well, it certainly was the brightest performance we've seen from Atlanta in a while. And if you had told me, you know, that, that this was going to this, – this is the kind of performance you'd see considering the year that has been 2020 for Atlanta United where you had no DPs in the field um, and you still were able to kind of carve out a performance, get a result, and, and look pretty much the best you have all year, I would have – I mean, everyone went into this match thinking, yeah, this is going to be a blowout. This is going to yeah. be FC Dallas stomping all over Atlanta United. I, I don't know if – I'm not trying to put excuses in FC Dallas's mouth, but I wonder if traveling the same day had any effect on them and, and with, with the number of games they played. I, I Maybe, but again, I, I'm not taking away from what Atlanta United did. Um, I, look, I, I, I get that maybe shots on target and, and the expected goals, that, that isn't where they want to be, but – this is a good starting point. I think last night was a fantastic starting point for, for someone like Steven Glass, for someone that can uh, – for, for a team that's looking to – is still trying to figure it out for the rest of 2020. This yeah. is a team that I think – I forget where they were last night, but right now they're in fourth. Um, and I think all three of the teams that um, – in the Western Conference, I think all the teams that played last night in the Western Conference won uh, that were above them. Um, so I, look, they were a good team going into this game. Um, Lady United yeah. officially, at least as of now, in that tenth playoff spot. So yeah, we got Who a chance. We're struggling. We Who got says? a chance. Um, and look, I, you continue to see the good performances out of George Bello, Miles Robinson, uh, Meza back on the field. Um, we, we he was fantastic. It. I thought. I agree. Uh, Mulraney and Gallagher, um, Joseto, I think might have had his, one of the better performances he had with Atlanta United. I think that. Again, hopefully this is something that, that Stephen Glass can kind of build off of. Hopefully this is a, a you know, I would call this the turning, maybe a possible turning point. Another turning point. Atlanta United. But this <laughs> is the turning point of the season. This I is mean, a, if you have any turning, too many turning points, you're just going that's in huge. circles. I'm going back, that's true. Good point. But look, it, 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 this, because of the performance itself, I, I never really cared so much about scorelines because goals can come away, come, come about in, in funny ways sometimes. Um, and, but this is specific to, to how Atlanta United want to play moving forward, how Atlanta United want to kind of get back to, we'll call it their roots, even though like six of the players are, are, are from those roots or, or, are with Atlanta United, at least starting on a regular basis or playing on a regular basis. Um, I, it's a positive, it's a positive. I, I'll take, I'll take last night, especially with, with, with what my expectations were. Um, and I'm hoping that it just carries over. I, that's, Consistency to me is the key thing, and if Stephen Glass is, is looking at that and, and not worrying so much about load management, and which is a legit concern for for a manager, I, I I'm not 
trying to take away from that. But if you're looking to kind of save the 2020 season, consistency, I think is, is a big deal. And, and, you know, replicating what you had last night um, is going to be huge. And it, it was good just to see the energy, you know, yeah. I mean, it really yeah, yeah, yeah. shows, you know, that, that, that some very fundamental progress had to be made, even aside from like, uh, even if that match had finished nil nil, I think a lot of us would be coming in here today. Well, at least we saw energy and work when over the last few matches, it's looked like a team that didn't really understand what they were supposed to do, didn't work together. So at least you saw that togetherness and energy on the pitch, which indicates maybe things aren't totally broken yet. They might've not said it and they might've not actually felt this but it looked like aesthetically it looked like they had kind of given up on this season and last night yeah. was the first time in a while where they clearly hadn't they clearly haven't given up on the season clearly they're still fighting to play for something um and and as an Atlanta United fan all of us love to see that that was what I think we were waiting for and that's what we saw last night and I think that's the the most positive thing you can take out of last night is that the season isn't over specific especially for the players um, and now even more so for the fans, because you've seen what can become of this kind of scrappy, scrappy team with no DPs right now. The scrappy team. I love how Atlanta that's, you know, I mean, has gone from like this. flashy South American, you know, attacking dynamism and all this stuff to like the, uh, they're basically. Um, no, the backup white quarterback is in the game. Exactly right. Right. <laughs> yes. No exactly question right. about it. <laughs> but you know, again, you saw and it. Uh, so, so the short term, I think you guys nail it, um, that, you know, the positives are that at least you have a side that uh, is showing interest and energy uh, and, and is working for their manager and executing their plan. On the other hand, like I said, I don't know how far that's going to get you anyway, because you lack uh, that star power and attack. But then if you look at a longer term version of it, I'm super pleased that you have a group of role players that slide into these pieces and are willing to do their, you know, kind of execute their job and go out and work hard. So next season, when you add a Joseph Martinez to a mix, you add a uh, fully uh, integrated Marcelino Moreno, we're going to talk about later to the mix, maybe another designated player. If you can add a little bit of star power and you already know you're going to get some in Moreno, hopefully, and certainly Joseph Martinez, and then you put these hardworking role-playing type pieces around it, then I think you can be very, very good in 2021. So short term, this is about all I think the, the, the best you can do. But I think the fact that you were able to still get a win against FC Dallas just because of those role players working their asses off shows that you add a little star power for 2021 and not much that you can be a very good side next year. And, and you look at what LAI has coming up next. It, I, we talk about something to build off of. you got Chicago Fire. Um, coming up next on Sunday. And right now they're in 12th place. So out of the playoff spot, only three wins on the year so far. It's another match that you can kind of build off of. It's another match that you kind of take into, you can, you can hope for a, uh, you know, a, a result, a, um, it's a more three, another three points and hopefully moving up the the standings to kind of secure a better position within, within the playoffs. But I'm, again, my hope is to improve off of what they did. I, I, I was thoroughly impressed. You guys, I don't think were as impressed as I was, but I, I love the work effort. I love the work rate. I love. I was pleased. I mean, I, yeah. I think. I, I mean, I wasn't impressed because. I mean, I guess we're just talking semantics here, but yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. But uh, but you know, like obviously for me, when I think uh, Atlanta United attacking aggressive, I'm thinking about more chances created. At the other, on the other hand, um. Uh, you've got to be pleased because you saw a fundamental uh, improvement in the attitude and mentality. And that's the main thing that we've been cr- 
criticizing the last few weeks. And, you know, it doesn't matter who is on your team or what your tactics are. If you don't go out with a cohesive plan and give, you know, 100% effort, you're not going to win. And, I think uh, it just depends too, that. though. I think it just depends because, like, what is your expectation of Atlanta United? Like, I think Josh and I are looking at it from the perspective of this is a team that needs to play a certain style, create a certain amount of chances, and look much better in the attack. If you're, if you're going to change that, if you're going to change the philosophy of the team, which the front office hasn't said that. You know, they say they want to still play the same kind of soccer. But under Steven Glass, you're not going to play that. Like, it seems like they, they're playing, you know, like the scrappy, hardworking, blah, and blah, blah, blah. And with this personnel style. as well. Like. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the personnel doesn't help either. But if you're going through a fundamental shift, like if this team is turning from like Barcelona to Atletico Madrid, for example, like if you follow La Liga, you know, Barcelona is the – the run of the goal every five seconds, you know, trying to get a lot of opportunities and, and Atletico Madrid are a much more park the bus kind of sit behind the ball type of team. So what does Atlanta United want to be? And if for the rest of the season, they're more Atletico Madrid than Barcelona playing more defensively, playing more sort of technically sound, um, not trying to push too hard, get your goals, take your opportunities when you get them and then slide back and defend that's not going to be attractive to Atlanta United fans because of what they're used to, but it might be better for this season. In fact, it is better for this season and this roster to do that. Well, when you've seen the team try to do that, you've seen other teams just sit off, kick Barco 20 times and counter, right? Because Barco's the only guy, you know, and maybe to some extent, Dom, to some extent, maybe Kubo Torres, but Barco was the only guy who was giving you that. And he's just getting fouled 20 times a game as we've seen. So, so, and suddenly this game, you didn't see all that stop and start, right? Because the uh, Dallas didn't try to sit off. They tried to control the game and Atlanta United, all of a sudden their roles were switched where they weren't trying to, imprint their style on the match they were trying uh they were more so trying to force the opposition into mistakes playing the way they wanted to play so it's interesting how like i feel like barco adds that creative spark but he alone is not enough and suddenly when you have just 11 guys uh that maybe don't add that creativity but do add that work rate maybe you don't create as much but it does look a little more cohesive now, does, does Barco have a knee or a leg injury, or does he, have, does he have the Sevilla <laughs> flu? That's what I'm The wondering. Sevilla flu, yeah, yeah. He, some sort of knock. You know what's funny about that whole thing? If Stephen Glass had just answered that question properly, you know, a month or whatever ago or whatever, when he had his first quote-unquote day-to-day, instead of just saying, no, I won't elaborate on it, I don't think we're having these discussions right now. You know, I really – I mean, I, and, and – um, Obviously, we're getting off topic a little bit here, but I think a lot of the Barco speculation still comes from the point that when this and he had his first quote-unquote day-to-day issue a, uh, a couple months back or whatever it was, Stephen Glass refused to elaborate on it, and and now every time he misses a match, we're having these discussions. Um, I, so a couple of quotes from last night: Stephen Glass talking about um, oh, where did it go? Um, I think the club, when it's at its best, has played like that, so it's important um, that we continue to try it try to continue that trend um, and try to push the groups towards that. Um, you heard a lot of that, like kind of like a, kind of like a, that sense from the, some of the players as well, that kind of like this weight had been lifted off the shoulders. Rightly so. I think, I think that um, you'll look at, I, what I like is that some of the comparisons I heard about from, from what we saw last night was a lot to what the Red Bulls do. I mean, you saw in the first like 30 seconds where um, I want to say it was 
Gallagher or Jake Mulraney or one of the other, but they were pushing up so high that they created a, a, a corner within the first, I want to say 30 seconds or so. And that's yeah. something I feel like we haven't seen in a long time. And that continued throughout the first half. I think it was a little more pragmatic in the second, uh, which fine. I could, I wasn't expecting this team to go balls to the wall for all of 90 minutes. Uh, but again, very impressive what I saw out of most of these players. I, I don't know what it is. I feel like when, when I know Jeff scored the goal, but otherwise, I thought he had moments where he didn't look great. And I feel like whenever yeah. he wears that armband, those are the moments where I get maybe put too much pressure on himself. <laughs> I don't know. I think Rometty coming in at halftime took a little bit of pressure off of him. And yeah. uh, after the match, um, after the match, uh, Glass said that Hosetu, uh, not 100% fit. They wanted to be safe with him. But I thought Rometty in adding kind of a second, more defensive-minded midfielder took some pressure off of Jeff. First half, he really struggled. Three or four bad giveaways, lucky not to turn into chances the other way for Dallas. Nothing for me with Hosetto, too. This is the first match where it kind of looked like he wasn't, like, running around with, like, yeah. cement boots. You know what I mean? Like, the guy actually didn't seem like he was, like, as slow as, like – because the tape going into him signing with Atlanta United didn't show a slow player, but he's looked pretty slow in the first, like, couple opportunities we've had to see him. Did not look like that last night. And I'll say this to Eric's point, too, about a team that's, like, pressing a lot. You know, Atlanta United's actually pressing and getting forward. It's very weird to watch a team – execute a high press and then not really know what to do with the ball when they get it in the like attacking like zone or with, with opportunities to try to score right well it's funny right because you're pressing with Lennon Gallagher uh and Mulraney as your front mm-hmm. three so there were like a couple times where like Lennon awesome like sprinting right. you know, makes interception wins the ball and I think one time he fell over the ball you know like yeah and they get the ball in that what do I do now <laughs> right and, and that's and that's not what they do right so it's funny like these guys are so great at pressing and uh and that's fantastic right but then that some of the times that you won the ball you saw some missed passes in behind you know where you could have crafted out some better chances um I mean that's but, where Barco and then ultimately yeah. Joseph yeah you know, and Joe, you right. have those players if you can right. press and get forward get the ball to your facilitator then get it up to the goal scorer yeah so you're seeing signs of hey once you get those guys back this might actually be pretty good I will say that I think I heard that I forget uh I don't know if I t- someone texted me or someone tweeted it but um this is one of the first matches where I thought okay Joseph in this game would have absolutely mm-hmm. destroyed FC Dallas um, because that's again, that's someone that they can they can that's someone who's making off ball runs. That's someone who's who's an aerial threat, as we've seen. Um, that's someone who can you know really put the ball in the back of the net for obvious reasons. Uh, but not having Joseph in this game was, I, I think, what maybe the difference was. This the the one nothing PK win versus a a you know a four nothing win for Atlanta United in this match, considering you know what they were able to kind of produce going forward um, or the the opportunities that they did have that you know, just didn't come off. Um, that, that to me was a difference is not having Joseph Martinez, which still impressed, still impressed. Um, and so hopefully that, but I wanted to ask Josh, what did you see tactically that, because it was a different formation. It was a different sort of, you know, we haven't seen a front three. I don't think ever with Atlanta United, not, not like that at least. And I'm wondering what you saw tactically that, that what stuck out to you. Well, I wouldn't say you haven't seen that front three. Seen the front three before. I would just say that this is the first time you've had a front three where it's like, again, it's all of those <laughs> backup white quarterback to make that analogy type <laughs> of players who are super hardworking. You know, like I said, role player types, and that there are good and bad to that, as we talked about. So I thought Stephen Glass looked at this match and is maybe looking at the rest of the season as okay. Like like I mentioned earlier. 
we're not going to be able to dominate the way that I was hoping, the way that Frank DeBoer was hoping, where we're just going to be able to really have the ball the whole game. You mean new coach of the Netherlands, Frank DeBoer? Right, new coach. No, new coach of the Netherlands. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know where to start on Has that Has anybody one. failed upward in their career better than that guy? Uh, Joe Biden. Uh, anyways, uh, moving on. Um, so No political Damn. talk. Red card, Josh. Damn. Red card. <laughs> anyways, um, uh, but no, I thought you saw in this match that uh, it was, Stephen Glass has realized that the way for Atlanta United to put their print on games is is really more so by um, being that hardworking team that's going to win possession by high pressing and turning the opposition over, um, and and not necessarily more workmanlike, you know, not necessarily what we've seen with them trying to build up methodically and then find Barco and have him beat some guys. It was much more. Um, of a system where you're creating chances through the system of just pressing and turning the opposition over. And then on the other hand, I thought it was very interesting and I didn't totally agree with this, but in the second half with about 30 minutes to go, you saw the system totally change and the team, uh, you know, start to sit back and absorb pressure. Um, so it you was, the, I think, I think that was a reaction to the substitutions that, uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Dallas made. Yep. yeah, absolutely. So tactically what I see, although the shape, I wouldn't call it fundamentally different, um, but I think you, you, I think you saw uh, a tactical setup more set, like I said, to manufacture and create chances as opposed to relying on creativity from your guys in the last third. And I think based on the personnel you have, that's the absolutely right decision. And then while I disagreed with him kind of abandoning that so early in the second half and sitting back and playing, you know, you finish the game with three holding midfielders with Lawrence Wyke uh, coming on and play next to Remedi and Laurentowitz. It worked. It worked. So you saw how Steven Glass is going to manufacture his attack and you saw how he's going to, uh, if you get that lead, manufacture results by sitting back defensively. So that's what I saw tactically was a much more hands-on approach from the manager, much more of a system approach as opposed to relying on your creative guys to improvise in attack. And I think that's the way uh, for success for Atlanta United, just based on the personnel grouping that they have. Well, they sit in 10th place in the Eastern Conference. They got a, they got a shot. They got a shot, and that's all we were asking for in 2020, considering how it's gone so far. Uh, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, uh, Lucid FC, a proud sponsor of the Mouths of South podcast, a distinctively modern clothing line based right here in Atlanta, reflects a deeply British American heritage design, design approach, promotes freedom of fashion, gender, role, brand's iconic logo, immediately recognizable. Uh, they're making pants, outerwear, hats, shirts, hoodies. They've got the uh, the cool masks right now. Uh, if you haven't checked those out, ask me My what the girlfriend F- loves their socks. By the way, ask Great me what socks. the FC stands for, gentlemen. What does the FC stand for? Oh, you guys are you guys are jerks. Footwear and clothing, the perfect match for all football fans of the football clubs. Oh, you, uh, did it. Oh, you can't. He can never get the Lucid read right. FC.us. LucidFC.us. Uh, make sure you check him out. LucidFC.us. That's your best one yet. You did a little hiccup at the no. end, but you did well. Well, it's 10.30 well. in the morning, so. You found a way to manufacture nice. the result at the end. There you so, go. Uh, I'm proud there of you. you. Yeah. I put it together. Um, let's talk about Moreno and, and what he could have not necessarily added last night, but um, – you get a sense that he's a guy watching some of the highlights that, that I've seen on, on YouTube and, and stuff that Atlanta United's put out. He seems like a player that, that could be, could be a guy that really kind of helps turn it around for Atlanta United could be not to put that pressure on him, but um, he looks like a guy that, that is going to be able to help. Uh, the more I've seen out of him, the more you, you hear from, from people across the league, 
um, the more you think that maybe this is something that could, I mean, this is a player that, that Atlanta United maybe has, has done good research on. We'll see time will tell, but um, what's interesting is the quotes you're hearing from Boca Negra where he doesn't want to put that pressure on a guy like, like uh, Moreno saying he's a different player than Almiron. Um, Felipe Cardenas tweeting out that he's, he's cautious regarding that comparison. Um, where is it? You know, in talking about Moreno wearing the number 10, you know what? There's only a few numbers available, so I'm assuming he'll probably wear that, obviously wear that at Lanus. Uh, but I don't want to do – what I don't want to do is, jump, is lump on a lot of pressure to this kid. Um, to which the Atlanta United Twitter account – Oh, boy. Seemingly didn't get that memo and tweeted out a comparison of Moreno to Almiron. To which you I retweeted. Can't do that. To which I re- to which I retreated, No pressure. <laughs> you can't do that. And this kind of opens up a more broad discussion. But I want to push kind of that back a little bit and keep this part just focused on Moreno right now. A player that, when you look at, I think. And again, it, 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 it's funny because we're going back into like what we used to do as Atlanta United fans. And, and when we get one of these players from South America, we only have their tape to look at. So like yeah. we, we, we haven't had like a, a lot of experience of watching this guy. So from, from what you've seen on the tape, you know, this guy's very, I think, comfortable on the ball, a very good facilitator can, can sort of, you know, find guys and has good field vision. So I think that he'll fit in well with Atlanta United in that regard kind of depending on what happens with Barco, you almost feel like he would be a, a guy that, that can, can combine with Barco really well, probably sit back a little bit further than like what Barco would normally do. And again, you know, I think he's going to be a, a good signing. I think he could be a good player, but you can't set up that expectation right off the bat. Miguel Almiron is the best player in Atlanta United's history um, you know, you can say Joseph Martinez as well because of the goal scoring, but I think just based on what he's gone to now, you know, he's starting and, and one of the better, be, probably the best player for an English Premier League team. So I think just in terms of talent, Miguel Amiron's the best player you've had, uh, the biggest success story in terms of moving on to a, a big club. And the social media wing for them to come out and the first impression they're giving you of this guy is he's the next Miguel Almiron. It's irresponsible and, quite frankly, speaks to a whole bigger story on what Atlanta United social media has become, which, again, I'll get to here in a little bit just because I want to give Josh and Eric, you as well, more opportunities to kind of talk about Moreno, the player that we're getting. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, just to build off of, you know, what you said about Almiron is um, it, it's, it's not smart to compare players to him just because – Aside from ability, he's such a unique type of player, you know, yeah. and you saw similar comparisons with Barco and PT. And even if those guys had reached their ceiling in Atlanta, uh, and then I would, it would be great if Barco still does, we'll see. Um, but uh, he's got the Sevilla it, flu, man. Come on. Yeah, right. It would still not look like Miguel Amiron, right? He's such a unique player. I mean, a fantastic player and the best player that's played for Atlanta United, as, as Sam said. Uh, but the way he plays is so unique. So I don't, I don't see, I don't see a ton of, well, I don't know that it'll affect Moreno or not. I just don't see a ton of value in making those comparisons. And because you've seen it go awry with your last two DPs. Um, well, you're and, setting up for failure. You're yeah, setting so, him up for failure. If he doesn't live up to that expectation and the fans are going to put more pressure on him because of it. The pro- proper context is probably necessary. Bocanegra is asked about the comparison, um, about being sort of a replacement for him or, or uh, wearing the number 10 jersey specifically. 
he has to answer the question. But Atlanta United, Atlanta, the, the, the Atlanta United social media or Atlanta United account actually retweeting that, that comparison after Boca Negra pretty yeah, much after said After your that. technical director walks it back. I mean, it just, it's weird. Speaking yeah, out of both sides of your mouth saying the exact opposite things. And the social media account is supposed to be the PR wing to the fans of the club. Look, hopefully it becomes that. I, I've seen moments in his, in his videos where I, I look at uh, Moreno and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, he, he, right there, he turned a lot like what, what Admiron would do in, in a typical spot. And, well, there it is again. Um, and then you've got him going up the field, getting around defenders, maybe not in the same way that Admiron did, but he does, he does have maybe that similar mindset, maybe not at the speed that, that Almiron uh, would go at, but, um, but he does seem to have that kind of mindset where he's going to, he wants to transition and push forward as opposed yeah. to uh, maybe trying to not necessarily his first thought being recycle and not that most of these players do that. I think they were told to do that, but, um, but I think that they're going to, they go about the same thing in a different way. Yeah. I think they, they have the same objective and they, and they do it uh, in their own way. And I think that wh- whatever the way they do it is the objective of, of actually, that objective itself is going to be huge for Atlanta because I think that's, that's the, the missing link here for, for Atlanta. It's someone that can, that can take the ball from the defensive third and, and go forward and push yeah, yeah. And, and find the, find the, uh, you know, the, the passes on the flanks. And um, I, the one thing I want to say about last night is it, it was a shame that Jurgen Dam wasn't available because I feel like that would have been a fun game to see him kind of at his best to see him kind of stretch his legs a little bit. And, um, and, 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 you know, t- you know, be a little more of the, of the, of the Tito that I think I was hoping I would see him that I haven't seen so far, but I digress. And I think just, I, you know, with, with Moreno, that the comparison, while it's not helpful, he certainly is, you know, the most similar probably player you've had to Amaron since he's been here. And again, I don't think there's any value in comparing them, uh, comparing them uh, directly, but the, 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 the link between them is what you said, Eric, you have a player who plays in the middle who can carry the ball forward through midfield. Nagby was to some extent that for you last season. And one thing we talked about, uh, I can't remember, it was a week or two ago when this signing was first um, was, was first linked, was that, yeah, you don't replace Nagby, but between Hoseto and Moreno, the two of them can kind of replace what Nagby did. Because what made him so special was Nagby was a guy that could complete a high percentage of passes and also be a guy who take risks in the middle third and dribble the ball up the field. There are very few guys who can do both of those things in one that are center midfielders. So now you have a Joseto who can complete passes at that high clip and another midfielder in Moreno who can carry the ball forward for you. So you kind of fill the Nagby, even though it's with two guys, you kind of fill those attributes that Nagby brought. Yeah, now you've got Nagby scoring the goal of the year in MLS. So, you know, just uh, – Again, again. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, just, it's crazy how he's gone there and then become, you know, a goal scorer. But I think that with Moreno as well, like, Josh, you hit the nail on the head. It, it's it's sort of, like I said a minute ago, like, he's not – without Miron, like, he's going from, like, basically taking the ball to the defensive third – all the way up into the attack. I still think Moreno is is a guy that would probably sit a tiny, maybe not a tiny bit, but but a bit further back than what you would consider like Miguel Almiron and his like attacking prowess. So it it is a player that's similar and it's probably the most similar to what you've had, but still vastly different as Eric said, in terms of the way that, you know, you're trying to do the same thing with different approaches. Can I, I think I want to make one final observation about last night. Is is Gallagher what we kind of wanted to see out of pity 
that just never kind oh of my God. came together. What? I'm not going to go that far. He's, he's Irish and played at Notre Dame. What are you talking? No, sure. About? I but I'm talking about the style of play that the what the 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 attacking. I mean, look, he's created I feel like opportunities for himself on that left side that that I feel like I always waited and waited for uh, for pity to make on a consistent basis. I'm not look. I'm asking. I'm not. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, he's better I'm for asking. a set system. I'll say that he's so. way better for a set system because as we yeah. saw with Pity, he kind of wanted to do what he wanted, like just right. kind of be sure. a floater and, and do what he wanted to do and not really have essential responsibility given to him. I think Gallagher is way better in terms of you give him an assignment and he does it. Yeah, you know I what think, I mean. I think it more just goes back to that. I don't I, like like Pity being the type of player he is wants to improvise a little bit more and you know sit in half spaces whereas Gallagher is like cool you want me to press hard the whole game I will um I've been I mean I think one of again he's one of many players that has shown himself to absolutely be a valuable piece going forward it's just that you're lacking star power and I think one of you know if you look at big positives of this stretch one of them is certainly that John Gallagher has shown that at the very least a very good squad player not going to cost you a lot and, you know, maybe you end up, you know, even if you sell him or trade him for anything, you're going to get value because he costs you so little. So certainly, as with many other players, his, his emergence, I think, is, as a serviceable MLS player has been one of the bright spots of this stretch under Stephen Glass. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that Gallagher. No, you said better. you think he's better. No, that's not <laughs> what I said. I said, is that more of what we wanted to see out of pity? I think is that more we wanted to expect that kind of like, it, it just seems that the, his attacking mindset was more of what we wanted out of pity as opposed to pity kind of getting stuck. Once he I'll give him. Eric this one. I'll give it to him because I agree. I think, I think the main thing I wanted more out, you know, more out of pity was discipline. Like, Hey dude, stay in a spot. We need you to do something. We, we I know what you want to do, but we need you to actually in this system and in this team actually sort of have some sort of discipline in a position. So I think that just by that regard, yeah, and I'm taking talent and everything really out of this. Yeah. Gallagher's a better fit for what Atlanta wants to do specifically right maybe, now. Maybe that's a better way of phrasing it. A better fit for, for what Atlanta is doing right now. But that's more an indictment of the, you know, not having Joseph Martinez, sure. I sure, think, sure, sure. you know, because you're right. I mean, if you have, like, like, and as we've said, you know, PT is not a guy you build around, you know, he's, he's somebody, if you have players around him, he can, yeah. And, and Hey, most players are like that, you know, that's not that big of a criticism, although people have thought that, you know, that's calling, you know, it's calling him terrible. Um, and, and, and with this roster, you kind of have to build around him and, so it doesn't work as well as having someone like uh, that that will give you that press. I, I don't want to say it doesn't work as well because for me, I'm always taking the more creative, more unpredictable player um, over John Gallagher. But certainly, as we've talked about, the cohesiveness and the way that it looked uh, looked looked a little bit better because you have someone like Gallagher whose skill set and uh, is is more suited out to do what Stephen Glass wanted with the high I'll press. take 10 John Gallagher's any day and one in goal too. Okay, Josh. <laughs> I, I, again, I just want to be clear. No, I'm, I'm saying, taking that clip and we're going to play saying, it over and over oh, again with no, no context. No, no, I'm not saying that Gallagher, Gallagher is better than Pity. I'm just saying that the mindset and, and what we've seen so far is, at least to me, what I thought I was going to see out of Pity. Someone that was a little more, well, whatever. I'll just leave it at that. Um. Any final thoughts before I get roasted by you guys? Yeah, I mean, I did want to. I did want to bring it back a little bit just to kind of talk about Atlanta United social media, and I'll preface this conversation by saying, my job, like my career, right now, and, and this is an oversimplification, 
but it's to monitor professional teams, social media accounts for trends. And my company then, you know, sees those trends and, and turns them into t-shirts. So my end of the deal is to monitor social media accounts of professional teams. I do this every day for hours and hours a day. So I've seen pretty much the gambit of every type of professional sports teams, social media account and how they run it. Surprisingly, there's not that many strategies. A lot of teams, you know, some teams will be outside the box. I consider Atlanta United before a certain someone left running the social media account um, because they have had a pretty drastic change in how they handle that. Um, but like in 2017, 2018, in, in the good times, if you will, Atlanta United social media was great. They did such a great job of highlighting players, of fan interaction, engagement, all that stuff. When a certain person left and is no longer running the, the social media accounts, they've gone very vanilla. And a lot of, you know, sports teams do that. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to, you know, make it seem like they're too outside the box. But Atlanta United has gone so far in one direction in terms of, you know, tweeting a bunch of like motivational poster quotes. You know, those posters you'll see in people's office where like a cat hanging on like a tree branch and it says hang in there. That's basically what Atlanta United social media has turned into. Which hey, is I, would fine. Take, I, mean, I would take that over some of what I've seen, honestly. Well, right. But that's fine. And I mean, yes. you know, the, the overuse of emojis, the, the typical slogans over and over again. It's a template. That's what they want. Right. It's a template. template. That's what they want to do right now. More power to them for it. I think a lot of us as fans have poked fun at it because there's no substance. Uh, it's very, like I said, vanilla. But recently and specifically, two tweets have gone over that line from, you know, cutesy emojis, you know, meaningless crap or whatever you want to call it to a problem. And I'll start with the Moreno one because that's what we were talking about recently. You know, it's like Carlos Bocanegra says one thing. Hey, we don't want to compare this guy to Miguel Anbiron. You know, that, that, that's not something we're going to do. And what does the social media account do? They immediately do it. And I think that's a problem because you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. If the, the, the you know, technical director of the club says one thing and the team is tweeting another thing, yeah, that's an issue. And they need to fix that. The other one that really bothered me, and I think you guys is, you know, I'm not going to speak for y'all, but I mean, it, it just chaps your hide the wrong way. When the team addresses criticism on social media by saying, true 17s are always with us. That's a load of crap. That is a complete load of crap to call out a percentage of your fan base just for being critical of you for underperforming. And in Bocanegra, even in his, um, in his kind of long form quote that, um, came out of the uh, the sort of press conference or whatever a few days ago like he even says that he's like yeah fans can can criticize us we're you know that that's what they're there to do and 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 you know we haven't been good enough and he owned it but then for the social media account to go out there and say true 17s are always with us that's a bunch of crap what are you doing calling out your fans some of the best fans in mls by the way and not everybody has to be a fan the same way there's dozens of different ways to be a fan and show your support but to call out fans just for being critical because you haven't been good enough is is crap and quite frankly needs to be addressed yeah i think and, and if anything it's bad it's it's really bad messaging and again i think to me and um i'm not as passionate about this as, as you sam but i do agree um and, and I, again i think a lot of it is about the disconnect like 
they should have, uh, you know, they went, they went against the Almiron th- thing where they went for the comparison when the club said no. And then they doubled down on statements from Stephen Glass and Franco Escobar uh, in terms of the, uh, you know, the real fans are still here. Look, those statements from the player, from Glass and Escobar, players do that all the time. That's fine. Right. They're frustrated. They want to win. Why did the club double down on that is very weird to me. And then the other, uh, the, the, with the other one, you know, that was what you should have doubled down on was don't compare Moreno to Boca, right. uh, not to Boca, to, uh, to Almiron. Uh, you know, just talk about him. And instead they, you know, so it's like they chose the wrong, and again, it shows a disconnect uh, in, in a way that we've seen between manager and player, between players on the field. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have, I'm not saying this is the case. I don't think it's the case. But when you have top-down problems at, at clubs, you start to see issues like this. I don't think that's the case at all, but it, I agree. I, th- I think it's lame. So you know. Would I prefer for them to get away from the motivational quotes and the you know huffing fumes out of your nose emojis and stuff like that? Absolutely, because it doesn't mean anything, and it, it, it's just it's boring and it's juvenile. Quite frankly, what I feel like. But I'd much rather them keep doing that than calling out the fans and contradicting the the technical director. Like, okay, if you're going to go back to being vanilla social media, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. But it, it gets to a point where you're going from annoying or, you know, cutesy or whatever you want to call it to being an actual problem. Yeah. And I guess the very last thing that I would say about that, and just to directly address the Franco Escobar comment about if you want, if you don't, what it was that we don't, I don't want you if you don't stay when times are tough or whatever. Um, that that has kind of created all of this. And again, I don't mind him saying it at all. He's an emotional guy. He wants to win. But what metric has indicated that Atlanta United fans are walk are leaving? You I know, know right? What you social what media. You, wait, well, no. What you don't want on social media when you lose is silence. Right. You know, exactly. Want, and that's you, a th- yeah. The, well, the I'm saying, like, if you're gonna. You can still be a fan and be critical. Like, that's the problem. There's nuance there. This isn't a black and white issue. Just because you criticize Atlanta United, that doesn't mean all of a sudden you're not a fan. And I think that's the key thing here. It's like they took a little bit of criticism, a shot on the chin, and they did not take it well. Well, I would say that I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, criticize them too much because my social media game hasn't been on point lately. But uh, what I will say is that – I disagree. Uh, <laughs> I disagree, actually. <laughs> what I, I will say – I do miss the 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 cool moments that you see you used to see at practice where you know it was it was you know just the, the players being being human or um, doing something incredible at practice or something along those lines. I don't know how reality works. Be real. I, I don't know how tough that is to do in in, in the whole COVID nineteen situation we're living in. So, but I do miss that. I do miss what we saw in 2017, 2018, where we saw you know a lot more human, a lot more you know fun practice stuff, something that put little personality to, to this team. Cause I think that's the one thing you're missing right now is you don't have anything. Um, you don't have anything that the fans can really latch onto in, in, to, in terms of a personality. You have Joseph, Joseph has continued to do just things um, on social media, which is why yeah, we love him. him on social. You'll be fine. <laughs> but that has seemed to be missing. That part of it has seemed to be missing since, um, you know, at least this year. So look, 2020 is a weird season. Maybe it's, that's all part of it. Um, I will say guys, last thing I will say is I think the, I think my curse is broken and and here's, here's what I'll say. And I had it lined up and now, okay. I said the ultimate yourself out for social media game, but this was good. The ultimate sports thing would be for Atlanta to come up huge tonight. And after everyone said, this is not happening. 
Atlanta United comes up with a one nothing win. And after that goal is scored, I even retweeted and, and, and doubled down on it. And Atlanta United still won. So, guys, curse is broken. Curse is broken. Uh, Blame yeah. Eric. Yeah, yeah, nah, nah. Look, look, you're not getting any credit for a 1 0 Alice in a pandemic shortened season with no fans. On a lucky penalty. Tata Martino was still not here. Yep. Uh, uh, Nick DeLeon still scored from 30 yards. Blame Aaron. Um, the other thing I wanted to, fun thing that I want to end on is uh, Zlatan tweeted out to, or I guess recently, or like earlier that today. Uh, I tested negative to COVID yesterday and positive today. No symptoms whatsoever. COVID had the courage to challenge me. Bad idea. It's the worst mistake <laughs> COVID-19 has ever made, by the way. You then, came after the wrong one. What, what, what a brand Zlatan is. <laughs> Literally <laughs> the only person in the world where everyone's like, oh, I'm, I feel bad for COVID. Like the one yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Tell them where they can find you guys on uh, social media. Yeah. Apologies to uh, Joe Biden. But if you ever want to talk about politics with me, you can find me at JoshB914. And I won't talk about that on a podcast ever again. I promise. I cannot not recommend a Twitter follow more than at Josh B914. Um, no so you can find me at Eric B. Quintana. Uh, find the podcast at MOTS Podcast. And we'll have a podcast hopefully out early next week after uh, the United's 50 years of Chicago Fire. Fingers crossed. All right. Until next time. See you later, Atlanta.